Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with the most perfect, beautiful and comprehensive deen. The deen of Islam does not only teach us how to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala via ibadat. Islam does not only teach us about the masjid, about performing salah, about hajj, about fasting, about zakat. Rather one very very important branch among the teachings of Islam is the branch of how to interact and conduct yourself with your fellow human beings. So you find that in the Quran Majid, in the Mubarak Ahadith, there are countless teachings in regard to how a person should conduct himself with his neighbors, with his parents, with his children, with his family relatives, with society at large. And for the purpose of today's topic in particular, how a person should conduct himself with his wife. In the Quran Majid, Allah Ta'ala commands us saying, Wa bil ma'roof. Love with your wives in a good manner. In other words, with sympathy, with consideration and with kindness. In the Mubarak Hadith, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, خيركم 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 Generally, we ask a person who is the best person. Sometimes we'll think of a person who's always in the masjid five times a day, 
for every Jamaat Salah, he's there in the first saf on time. We'll think of a person who is very, very punctual on his Tahajjud Salah. Maybe we'll think of a person who's a paragon of generosity in society. Anybody needs anything, they go to him and he's always ready to help. And these are very, very good people. But in this hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned the best among you are those who are best to their wives. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned and from the entire ummah, it is I who am best to my wives. Because obviously there is nobody who can have the level of akhlaq and kindness and softness as Hazrat Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam could have had. The ulama explained that when a person shows kindness to another person, then very often there's an ulterior motive. If a person is good to his customers, then it's because he knows he's going to get good business out of them. If a person is good with his associate, it's because today I rub your back, tomorrow you rub my back. Sometimes he's good with the person because if he's not good with the person, he'll get one clout in return. But when it comes to a person's wife at home, this is first of all behind closed doors. And what happens in the house often stays in the house. Second of all, that wife is the weak one in the relationship. She's at the mercy of the husband. That is why on the occasion of Hajjatul Wada, during one of the khutbahs, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam beseeched the ummah to show kindness to the wives. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described the relationship saying that your wives are like prisoners with you. In other words, they are bound by the shackles of the nikah. More so when there's a child involved. If the woman is being abused, whether it's physically being abused and battered, whether it's emotional abuse or verbal abuse, what resort does she have? Where can she go? She's at the mercy of the husband. So if a person in this relationship can show true kindness and understanding, and he can overlook and he can be gentle and compassionate, then this is indeed a true reflection that this man has been blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with good character and akhlaq. We find that Hazrat Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the most perfect and beautiful and sublime example for humanity as to how a person should conduct with his wife at home. And there are many aspects that could be discussed. Inshallah, today we will just shed light on a few aspects, hoping that through this discussion, Allah Ta'ala will bless me to bring it into my life and all of us to bring it into our lives. One is to be gentle at home, to be cheerful at home, to be a happy and positive husband. That Aisha radiallahu anha was asked, that كَيْفَ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا خَلَى فِي بَيْتِهِ That please describe the character and conduct of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم when he was secluded with his family at home. That Aisha radiallahu anha described Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم's beautiful conduct saying, كَانَ أَلْيَنَ النَّاسِ وَأَكْرَمَ النَّاسِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the softest of people and the most kind and noble of people. And then we all know that the man is the one who wears the pants in the house. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the man the Amir of the home and the Amir of the family. He is the one who holds the authority, he wields the authority, he is the decision maker. But that does not mean that he should be a dictator and tyrant in the house. So she mentions regarding Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kana rajulam min rijalikum. He was like a normal person, he was down to earth. He wouldn't come into the house expecting that everybody must immediately start cheating him differently and he's so as to say everybody must now stand in a line in front of him. Rasulullah sallallahu was completely down to earth an embodiment of humility. And then she mentioned one distinct quality of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam illa annahu kana dhahakan bassama. One outstanding quality of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the home was that he was always cheerful and always smiling. And this often is an ibadat, an act of ibadat that is overlooked. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, لَا تَحْقِرَنَّ مِنَ الْمَعْرُوفِ شَيْئًا Do not regard any good deed to be trivial and insignificant. 
Even if it is the good deed of meeting a person with a cheerful and smiling face. Now if you look at society today, generally the man is working six days a week. He's leaving home early, six o'clock, half past six, seven o'clock, he's leaving home. He's got a long day, he's toiling at work. There at work, he has to put up with everybody's nonsense. He'll get difficult customers, he'll get an unreasonable boss who's riding on him hard. He'll get co-workers not pulling their weight, everything ends up on his plate. And at the end of the day, six o'clock after Maghrib, now he's coming home. This man is mentally exhausted, he's physically exhausted, he's emotionally drained. He comes home with this frame of mind that when I come home, I just want my supper, I want my tea, and I want to just put up my legs a little bit, I want to relax. But sometimes we find the man comes home, and because he had a heavy day, people gave him a lot of grief, he brings this grief with him into the house. So he walks into the house and maybe the supper is two minutes late or three minutes late. Or maybe things aren't as he hopes for them to be. He was hoping to get chops and instead he got beans. And now we find there's an explosion that takes place. This man is frustrated. You know what I went through the whole day? And you know what I faced? And I must come home, I must get this from you also. So you find there's a very easy way to understand this. You see if there's mud outside your house. As soon as you come to your front door, you won't walk through your house with those same muddy shoes. You'll understand the dirt outside the house belongs outside the house. I don't take the dirt outside the house into the house. If I do that, I'm going to dirty my whole house. I'm going to spoil my whole house. So you either clean your shoes or you take out those dirty shoes and then you go in the house with clean shoes. When a person comes home, no matter what he went through throughout the day, it's a conscious mindset shift as he comes to that front door. That whatever I went through, I'm leaving that behind me now. Now I'm going home, I'm entering the house, I need to have a smile on my face. It must not look like a forced smile, like rigor mortis on that mayat. It must be a genuine smile from the heart. A person must be happy to come home. Now he enters at home with salam. He enters at home with a smile on the face. The wife is happy to see him and those children are happy to see him. So the Aisha radiallahu anha described Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that He was most gentle and soft. He was most noble and gracious in his conduct. Always cheerful in his disposition. Always a pleasure to be around this type of a person. We need to bear in mind that how sometimes we have a hard day at work. Maybe a musalli in a masjid gave us grief and somebody blocked our car. Somebody spoke to us inappropriately. Somebody tramped on our toes. We need to bear in mind that sometimes that wife at home, she also went through a heavy day. She also had grief. And every person knows his own house. Some, person, some people, Allah Ta'ala has given them children. Those children can be a test. That woman's eyes open in the morning. The first thing she has to deal with is a tantruming child. She just finishes pacifying that child. Now she has to go change one diaper. And that diaper also leaked and messed everywhere. She just deals with that and now the washing machine, maybe it overflowed and the, she has to go deal with that mess. And then maybe the domestic worker didn't come to work on time, she has to deal with that. She's waiting for her husband to come home, to console her, to give her some comfort, to give her some kind words. And instead when he comes home, the first thing he does is he's offloading on her. Now instead of each husband and wife, each of them being a source of comfort to one another, each of them now, begin to resent one another. In the Qur'an Majid, Allah Ta'ala explains, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ جَعَلَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَزْوَاجِكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجَ لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Among the signs of Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat and Allah Ta'ala's greatness is Allah Ta'ala has made from you your wives and your spouses. And Allah Ta'ala says one of the primary purposes of this marriage and one of the beautiful benefits of this relationship of nikah is لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا a person's wife or the husband for the wife is a source of comfort. A person gets peace of heart, he gets tranquility, he feels happy. 
And then Allah Ta'ala underlines the theme of the marriage. وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Allah Ta'ala says, and He has created and placed between you love and compassion for one another. So the relationship of nikah is a relationship of love. In other words, if a person wants that wife to be a means of sukoon, he needs to be showing that type of love also. How Rasulullah showed that love. You need to understand that marriage as a relationship is like any other type of relationship. What a person puts in is what he will get out. 95% of the time. We do acknowledge and accept that there will be that 5% of women who will be completely unreasonable and completely inconsiderate. And no matter what a person will do, he can't win. said that there was one Buzruk. And no matter what he did to please his wife, he could never make her happy. She always had hurtful words. She had a, a tongue like a sword, always out to cut at him. So one day he comes home and his wife tells him, you, you know, everybody thinks you a big Buzruk. Everybody thinks you pious. Today I saw a person who's pious. I saw a big buzruk, such a big buzruk, he was flying in the sky. So the husband quietly tells her, you know, just for your information, I was the one who was flying in the sky today. So immediately the wife turns around and she says, now it makes sense. I was wondering why I was flying crooked. But that's only perhaps 5%. The other 95% are good women. And if a person invests that time and energy and love in that marriage, inshallah, he will reap accordingly. If a person has a business, but he's not willing to put the energy in, He's not willing to put the thought in, the consideration. He's never there, he's never present, he's always somewhere else. Then what does he expect to come out of that business? That business will not prosper. Likewise, a person has a nikah, he needs to be investing that energy and that love and be conducting in the manner that Rasulullah conducted. Then accordingly, he will get that sukun. Otherwise, they find it like the situation today. People dread going home. You ask a person, he says, hey, I don't want to go home because when I go home, she's going to start with me. And the starting today is actually a continuation from yesterday's episode because there's no happiness in that home. Often there's no happiness in that, in that home because the man is never at home. But we find that Hazrat Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, despite how much of responsibility Allah Ta'ala gave him to convey deen to the ummah, he was dealing with people's marriage cases, people's business cases, the janazas, the jihad, all the departments of deen were on his Mubarak shoulders. But he had time that he took out for his Mubarak family and his wives. And he had special time that he took out to spend with them and to show them that love and attention and also to teach them deen. So as busy as a person may be, if he does not take out this time, then years will pass. Eventually he'll realize that, you know what? My wife, I don't even know who she is anymore. My children also, I don't know them. So Rasulullah his Mubarak conduct in the home. And The nikah relationship is a relationship of mahabbat and love. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha mentions how much of love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would show. And one of the times a person can share with the family and bond with love is meal times. One of the first things is a person must understand that the food may not always come out right. Yes, the woman will try her best, but mistakes happen. A person can be driving for so many years, some, one day he can lose control of that car. That woman can be cooking, maybe something went off. Person must be understanding and make some sabr, overlook. Mentioned regarding Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ma'aba Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ta'aman qattu. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never criticized and found fault with the food. If he found the food enjoyable and to his taste, then he partook of it and made shukr to Allah. And if he does not to his taste and liking, then he didn't pull the whole roof down. Rather, Rasulullah without making a scene, he didn't eat it, he ate something else. But we find that as Aisha radiallahu anha says, first of all, they would be sharing the plates. They would be sharing the plates. And then 
There would be, for example, a bone with meat on it. Now, this was not something Rasulullah would be eating every day. We know one month would pass, another month would pass, and the fire would not be lit in the home. Why? Because of the hunger in the home. But on the occasion, when maybe there was some meat, she says, I would pick up the bone and I would eat from it, I would bite from it. Rasulullah would pick up that same bone and bite from the same bone. But deliberate action to create that muhabbat and show that love, Rasulullah would make a point. He would place his Mubarak mouth and lips on the same place where she had bitten and he would bite from that same place. Now this may look like an insignificant action, but sometimes it is a thought that counts, it is the gesture. A person sees that a person is going out of his way to show that love and muhabbat. Then Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha mentions when she would pick up the utensil, the cup of water for example to drink, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would share that same utensil. And again he would not drink from any place from the utensil, rather he would place his Mubarak mouth and lips where she had drunk in order to show that muhabbat and that love. Then we find Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Creating that muhabbat and love using terms of endearment. One is to call the wife by her name. Another is a person uses a term which will create muhabbat. And obviously a person needs to bear in mind there's things like haya also. So now obviously a person will go about in public and conduct like this. Rather this is within the confines of the home. This type of love also, there's a time and place for everything. So a person calls his wife darling or some other term of endearment. Hazrat Rasulullah would often refer to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha with a term of endearment, Humaira. And this was a term of love, a term of endearment, the one with pink cheeks. So it is the small things that create a spark of muhabbat and keep the love alive in the relationship. Otherwise what happens, that nikah becomes like a routine. Person clocks out in the morning, he clocks in at night, he has his supper, he has his tea, he goes to bed, it becomes like a hotel. And that wife becomes like the person providing the room service. That husband comes home at night, he's so tired, so exhausted, so dead, he's like a janaza came home. Every night now must read janaza namaz. There's no pleasure in that nikah, no pleasure in that marriage. Person must take out the time, take up the energy. How if there's something important, he'll make a point, he'll be there, he'll show that importance. Our nikah is also important. Not only for our benefit in our life, because a miserable home affects everybody. When that woman is miserable at home, she feels my husband never takes out time for me. I remember one of my asatis I mentioned to me, one case he dealt with where the husband was never home. So the wife complained, my husband isn't home. Why? Because this person had a certain passion and perhaps it was something like sports or gymming or something like that. And two hours every day he's gone for his training. So you must know he's finishing work at six o'clock. Then he's gone for his hobby or for his boy's night out or for his fishing or his paddle or whatever he's gone for two hours. By the time he comes home, he's so dead, he can't even look at her, his head's on the pillow and he's out. Now this man will say, I'm looking after my wife, I'm giving her allowance, I'm giving her food, I'm giving her clothes. But this is a form of emotional deprivation. The only need she has is not the need of the body of food and clothes. There's emotional needs also in the nikah, the need of love. Now there's no love being shown, no bonding. So they spoke to this person, they besieged him, eventually he came to a compromise. He said, okay, instead of seven days a week, I cut it down to six days a week. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened afterwards. But when a person has this type of approach to his nikah, where my way or the highway, then sometimes that nikah goes on a rocky road. And then it becomes a sinking ship instead of a relationship. Why? Because you must remember nikah is give and take. Each person will have to make some sacrifice for the other. And that is how the husband and wife will get along. Sometimes the husband, he wants the duvet, must be tucked in at the bottom. The wife wants the duvet, must be out. The husband wants the toilet paper, must hang this way, and the she wants it, must hang the other way. And he wants the toothpaste, must have the lid screwed on, and she never screws on the lid. Each one will have to overlook something of the other. Otherwise, what will happen? They'll be at each other's throats all the time. 
And when this happens, the wife, husband, they become resentful. They're always living under pressure. This rubs off on the children. The children realize we're not growing up in a home. We're growing up in a war zone. They know first round finish after Maghrib, second round will start. And they growing, grow up as spectators. First of all, they lose respect for their mother and father, though they may not say it. And Allah Ta'ala says, when they grow up in a home like that, tomorrow that is how they will conduct with their husbands and wives. So by us conducting like this, we are setting our children up to be failures in their marriages. So showing this muhabbat and this love. See, on the lighter note, he was an old uncle, he was about 80 years old. And people noticed he had a very good quality whenever he spoke to his wife or he called his wife, always using terms of endearment. My darling, my love, my angel, my farishta, this, that. So they came and he asked his uncle, uncle, we can see you have a very loving relationship with your wife. What's your secret? 80 years, you know, you married for like 40, 50, 60 years. And you still have so much of love in your relationship. He said, why you say I got love in my relationship? He said, no, because we see, whenever you speak to your wife, you speak to her so lovingly, darling and angel. And he said, let me tell you the truth. I'm so old, my memory is gone weak. Ten years ago, I forgot her name. But anyway, that's just on a lighter note. The point is to have this muhabbat. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha on one occasion, she is busy doing some knitting at home. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is in the home and Mubarak beads of perspiration are rolling down his forehead. We know there was nobody who had beauty like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And as she gazes at his Mubarak countenance, she sees these perspiration beads rolling down his forehead, luminescent with nur. So she immediately says, Oh Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if that poet Abu Kabir Hudali had seen your face, then he would have known that you are more worthy of his poetry than anybody else being described with his couplets of poetry. So Rasulullah said, which couplets of poetry are you describing? So she says, no, the couplets where he said, إِذَا نَظَرْتَ إِلَىٰ أَسِرَّةِ وَجْهِهِ بَرَقَتْ كَبَرْقِ الْعَارِضِ الْمُتَهَلِّلِ When you look at the creases in the skin of his forehead, radiant with beauty, it resembles the creases of a cloud on a dark night which are suddenly illuminated by a bolt of lightning. Now this is just a simple compliment that is paid. Maybe the husband comes home, he tells his wife, Alhamdulillah, you're looking so, so, so beautiful today, so pretty today. Maybe she knows also that she's not looking pretty, she didn't even dress up. But it will bring a smile to the face. Sometimes Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with such good wives, you know, sometimes the wife goes out of her way to make the husband happy. Let us think, you know, sometimes the husband goes to work every day, and he takes his lunchtime with him. Maybe it's a sandwich, maybe it's a roll, maybe it's just an Albany special, whatever it is. But maybe now and again, she'll put some surprise in that lunch bag of his. She'll put a cupcake or something else. Any husband who opens that lunchtime after Zohar and expecting that sandwich, he finds that small extra token of love. Can a person say his heart will not melt with love at that moment? So why can a husband not be considerate enough to reciprocate? I'm not saying a husband must go start baking cupcakes for his wife. Because next thing the oven will be broken, the house will be filled with smoke and whatever else. But just a simple example, the husband is going home, he stops at the petrol station, he needs to fill petrol. He knows my wife likes Kit Kats or lunch bar or whatever it is. Maybe it's within his means, it's 15 rand, he got the money to spend. He buys it, he takes it, he gives it. It's a small gesture, very, very small, a 15 rand gesture. But he brings a smile to the face. It is done out of muhabbat to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an act of ibadat. This is what keeps that love in that nikah, what keeps a person happy, what keeps the spark in that relationship. So Allah Ta'ala grant us all tawfiq to be considerate and loving husbands. We must not be those type of people who come home at night. We expect everything must be laid out like we came to a restaurant with a reservation and everybody must serve us, we must go to bed and everybody is our khadim in life. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha described the conduct of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kana yakunu fi mahnati ahli. 
that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Mubarak confines of his home would engage himself in the khidmat of his household. Rasulullah did not consider it beneath his dignity to help out at home. A person's wife dealt with the children the whole day and then she still cooked and then she still attended to the laundry and the cleaning and she dealt with the children's tantrums and everything else. Now she served him a nice meal. Now everybody ate, he's ready to go have his tea. What does he see? His wife is going to wash the dishes. Will it kill him if once in a while he stood up and went to help her? Who knows, perhaps the happiness and du'as he will get from her heart at that moment can become the zari of his jannah. Allah Ta'ala grant us all to feek, make us good husbands. Allah Ta'ala grant our daughters good homes and make our sons good husbands as well. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> وَعَاشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ فَإِنْ كَرِهْتُمُهُنَّ فَعَسَىٰ أَنْ تَكْرَهُوا شَيْئًا وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا وَقَدْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ وَأَنَا خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى يَقُولُ بِقَوْلِهِ يَهْتَدِي الْمُهْتَدُونَ وَإِذَا قُضِيَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لَنَا فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْعَظِيمِ وَنَفَعَنَا بِمَا فِيهِ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ الْحَكِيمِ أَقُولُ قَوْلِي هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِسَائِرِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا بين يدي الساعة من يتع الله ورسوله فقد رشد من يعصهما فإنه لا يضر إلا نفسه ولا يضر الله شيئا أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وأزواجه وذريته قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أرحم أمتي بأمتي أبو بكر وأشدهم في أمر الله عمر وأستقهم حياء عثمان 
وقضاه عليه وفاطمة سيدة نساء أهل الجنة والحسن والحسين سيدا شباب أهل الجنة وحمزة أسد الله وأسد رسوله رضوان الله تعالى عليهم وعن كل الصحابة أجمعين الله الله في أصحابي لا تتخذوهم غرضا من بعدي من أحبهم فبحب أحبهم ومن أبغضهم فببغضي أبغضهم وخير أمتي قرني ثم الذين يلونهم ثم الذين يلونهم اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإنتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون قال تعالى فاذكروني يذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا ما شاء الله إنه يعلم الجهر وما يخفى ونيسرك لليسرى فذكر إن فعت الذكرى سيذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى الذي يصلى النار الكبرى ثم لا يموت فيها ولا يحيا قد أفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الله 
هل أتاك حديث الغاشية وجوه يومئذ خاشعة عاملة ناصبة تصلى نارا حامية تسقى من عين آنية ليس لهم طعام إلا من ضليع لا يسمن ولا يغني من جوع وجوه يومئذ ناعمة لسعيها راضية في جنة عالية لا تسمع فيها لاغية فيها عين جارية فيها سرر مرفوعة وأكواب موضوعة ونمالق مصفوفة وذرابي مبثوثة أفلا ينظرون إلى الإبن كيف خلقت وإلى السماء كيف رفعت وإلى الجبال كيف نصبت وإلى الأرض كيف سطحت فذكر إنما أنت مذكر لست عليهم بمسيطر إلا من تولى وكفر فيعذبه الله العذاب الأكبر إن إلينا إيابهم ثم إن علينا حسابهم الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله اللهم لك الحمد كله لك الشكر كله وليك يرجو الأمر كله اللهم لا أحسني ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك لك الحمد يا ربنا كما ينبغي لجلال وشك عظيم سلطانك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا مولانا محمد بارك وسلم اللهم أنت السلام ومنك سلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم إن على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا لمتقين إماما اللهم اشف مرضانا مرض المسلمين اللهم ارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وجل آخرة آخرة من الأولى اللهم إني سلك في إلى الخيرات وترك المنكرات وحب المساكين وأن تغفر لي وترحمني وإذا أردت بقوم فتنة فتوفني إليك غير مفتون وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الله